0: never share a comforter that's a great married sleep tip what fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood
1: like a dinkadonka donk back down with margaret Aples and amy
0: wilson yeah amy and i are sister wives now a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to a double pleasure's waiting for you Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy, and this week we're talking about sleep hacks. Sleep hacks, another very, very requested episode, Amy. Yeah. People are like, yeah. help me get these kids to bed. I want to watch Game of Thrones in peace. <laughs> I want to watch Game of Thrones early enough that
1: I don't fall asleep during Game of Thrones, which I do 100% of the time.
0: How can you Amy, Can you make it through Game of Amy. Thrones? First of all, I can't fall asleep ever, so that's never a problem for me. Like, even if I'm dying tired, I would never fall asleep. I've never in my life fallen asleep during a television show.
1: Not possible. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I I, I am my mother. I, I like it. Like, yeah, it's the battle of Winterfell oh. and everybody's dying and I'm oh. just
0: a sleepy, a sleepy time. I just cannot. I can't relate to that. Like, you might as well say, like, I flew. Out the window of my apartment the other day, and flew around Manhattan. Like that's how much I can relate to what you're saying right now.
1: So that's my sleep hack: is sit down in front of the television when when it's dark outside. But we uh, for for babies and toddlers and school age kids, so it's a what little more we're complicated. not recommending is
0: putting your kids in front of Game of Thrones to put them to sleep, even though that works for Amy. <laughs> I would it would probably have an have an alternate. Not effect. the way to go. So sleep is really hard, guys. There's a lot of aspects to it. I want to come in hot and strong with my point of view. I feel like sleep is the ultimate version of you have to find your percentage of what works for you and what works for the baby. For me, getting sleep was extraordinarily important to me. I do not do well. Under eight hours of sleep, I become a monster. And so for me, getting sleep was extremely important. And so I really prioritized getting my baby to sleep. And I had three for three kids who slept through the night at 12 weeks.
1: Uh, Yeah, but see, like I had three for three terrible sleepers and it wasn't that it wasn't important to me and I didn't do anything. I do think like some babies tend to cooperate in this and some really, really, really don't. And there are things you can do about it, but you can kind of get lucky or very unlucky.
0: I agree. I absolutely agree. But I also think the amount of anxiety that this causes for people, it's also okay to be like, I'm just going to sleep with the baby in my room and feed on demand. And that's what's going to work for me. You know, like, sleep is not everyone's ultimate goal.
1: And not everything works for everybody. We, we went to our, our Facebook page at What Fresh Hellcast and we asked our listeners to tell us, what are your sleep hacks? What are the things that worked for your family? We also have some experts who send advice in and you'll be hearing from them later in the episode. But yeah, I think the overall thing is we don't want to be we don't want to be judgy about this and nothing works for everybody But here are some things that worked for some of us and there's some really good advice. There's some new stuff here
0: Yes, and it's just the ultimate thing of like this is the kind of thing that if you get yourself into the mindset of like I can make Mm -hmm. this happen. You're going to be unhappy And so it might just work for you to stay in bed for 12 hours With a baby who's up and down more and doesn't sleep perfectly. That's also okay
1: Stephanie says, and I think this is a really good sort of overall thing, is that that consistency is key. There needs to be a routine around sleep. And it matters almost less what it is than that there is one. Because even for little babies, they know like, oh, here's the warm bath. Oh, here's the lotion. Okay, and now the story and now the cozy rocking time. As long as the same things happen in the same order when they're getting sleepy, it does help.
0: Absolutely. And this one passes like all the tests. It's like this has been going on for a long time. This is something that people do. And this makes a lot of sense. And I do think my overarching view of sleep is it's about a lot of brain signaling to like a tiny person. So first thing I would say is the advice that I've gotten from my pediatrician, my sister-in-law, many people is that nothing happens with sleep before a baby is like 10 to 12 pounds. So a little tiny baby is just feeding on demand, getting used to the world. Like you cannot start thinking about any of this stuff until the baby is of that age, but you can start these routines right away. Yeah. And like start the thing of like day is an exciting time where it's light and there's lots going on. Night is a time where it's quiet and nothing interesting happens. Darkness is your friend. Darkness is your friend. And so is like, Uh, not, this is my go-to gift right now. Wipes warmer with a light on it. Because for me, it was really key not to like the baby cries, you turn on the light. Suddenly the baby's like, Hey, something's going on in here. It's like my key to getting this to work was like very low interaction at night. And so, like, if the baby poops, like, you want to get in, get a warm wipe, there's nothing shocking them awake, and just using, like, the wipe warmer light to, like, clean him up, get him back in bed, there was nothing interesting there.
1: Did you do a warm wipe for all kinds of diapers, or only true necessities? Because I wouldn't even use a wipe
0: for a, a wet diaper if it was 2 o'clock in the morning, like, a dunk a dunk back down. I'm going to take you one step further, Amy. I didn't change wet diapers at night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys, diaper technology yeah. is out of yeah. control, like... They're not mm-hmm. really wet. I mean, if they woke themselves up in like that giant puddle of pee and they're soaked right. to the skin, yes. Right. But if, you, if you can tell from the outside that they have a wet diaper, right? The- I did not change diapers at night. Again, this is after 10 pounds. We're like eight weeks in, I'm talking. This is not like day one. Day, first eight weeks, you're just in it and you're just doing everything possible. But no, I would not change a pee diaper in the nighttime. I had
1: a relative who shall remain nameless who thought that it was important to change her newborn daughter's diaper every two hours, including like, let me just go check and see if it needs to be changed. That's a great yeah. way to interrupt your infant's sleep. And just to put the uh, put the blame on MAME here, I was even worse because I was following the cockamamie advice that had worked for a friend of mine that you need to wake an infant every three hours, even if they're sleeping soundly and try to feed them and compounded that with a baby who had terrible reason. Reflux, and I—I uh, I created a real—and you went to Bonkersville, a real problem for myself. Yeah, and and so real fast. If I could go back, what I would have told myself then is like, don't you know, don't wake a sleeping baby. Now, I, can I give you some back in the day advice that my mother received that made sense to me? Bring it oldie lock
0: style. Back in my day, come on, bring it. This doctor. This is Nancy Wilson. I support anything Nancy Wilson says. Six children. I want to hear it. And picture.
1: So like when she was raising me in the little house in the prairie days of yore, this doctor said, don't ever let your baby sleep longer in the day than they're going for you at night. So no four-hour naps during the day if they're only giving you three hours in the middle of the night. Keep their daytime naps. Start to sweep them into a pile about that. And just just start there. Get your
0: nighttime the longest and build from there. We just had a thread on the Facebook group, which you can find by coming to facebook.com forward slash webfarshealthcast and then join our Facebook group because people are having really interesting conversations. And the topic was like, do you ever wake a sleeping baby? And my answer is absolutely yes, especially during the day. Like, you want to get those naps. Uh, you don't want to let a baby sleep six mm-hmm. hours during the day. Mm-hmm. You're going to be hosed come the nighttime.
1: I want to give a uh, a hint here from Rachel of Cha-Ching Queen, cha She has a great website about saving money. Health and happiness on a budget, she says. And her hint is that her baby wouldn't nap. She was having a hard time with the daytime nap stuff. And she discovered that if she went in the closet with the baby, with him, and rocked him in the closet, now you need a big closet for this, but he went like immediately to the deepest of slumbers because it was completely like a a sound deprivation chamber in there. And that worked for her.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, and I think you feel the same way, and I wish we had a sponsorship on this topic Blackout shades are a oh. non-negotiable part of the baby sleep process. So my, my husband and I, when we lived in LA, the baby's room had two giant, like eight foot by two foot windows. And we built, we literally built them out of wood. And then we covered it with blackout curtains. And we they were like flip up shades, like you'd see in a restaurant, kind of like it was like a flat rectangle and then we put hinges on them so you could flip them up so there could be light during the day. But at night they were flat against the wall and it was completely dark in the room, basically. I mean, you can't get it completely dark, but uh, you can
1: get pretty close. So I, I, we do not have anybody that handy in our household to, to fashion blackout shades. But I will say like the Pottery Barn Kids blackout shades are like 25% blackout shades. They're not really blackout shades, but I have a tip for you. Ready shade shade. Not a sponsor, should be. They're sort of, they tape to the inside of your windowsill and they're black. They're actually made of black paper and you can stick them up with like a, a little tacky strip of tape that comes with it in five minutes and it makes it like deep space in the room. And And I use those when my kids were little and they're totally unsightly and I didn't care. Sleep was more important than window treatments.
0: My mom, when I had my little ones, they lived in a house that had, it was like a modern house that had all these like, you know, triangular and like curved skylights everywhere. It was like all these windows And I was like, can we get blackout shades? And she was kind of like, I don't know how that's going to work in here. And after a couple of days of the kids visiting, she was like, tape up some garbage bags. Like, I don't care because they were just awake with the sun in the summertime at 430 in the morning. And so, you know, it just makes a huge difference. It's dark and light is such a it's a such a lizard brain thing that like you manipulating the darkness and the light and shades. And you're right. Curtains that hang in front of a window are not serving the no. same purpose.
1: No. So take, take your Pinterest pictures first
0: and then put up the hefty garbage bags. <laughs> yeah. And then just like tape garbage bags over there. What's that movie? It's probably an oldie luxe alert. Back in my day. It's called Insomnia and it happens during the, it's like a murder mystery that happens during the uh, midnight sun in Alaska. Oh. And like he can't sleep and he's constantly taping hefty bags over all the windows. And that's the thing. Like hefty bag those windows, guys no shame in that game.
1: A lot of people talked about sleep sacks as being really useful. And they were kind of after I mean, my kids are now 11, 14 and 16. And they were around for my 11 year old, they hadn't really like hit the pavement yet for my teenagers. And a lot of people suggested those as a very, very useful get the kid to sleep and stay
0: asleep item. What do you think about those? my all night sleepers the sleep sack was 100 percent integral in that process like straightjacketing their little arms down so they can't they wake themselves up by these flailing reflexes no no but this isn't the swaddle this is the sleep sack you know what that is but i think the sleep sack holds their arms in place
1: no the sleep sack is the it's like a zip up sleeping bag but their arms are free it's for bigger kids Oh yeah, for bigger kids. Yeah. See, did your kids
0: use those? I didn't really use those, but they sound amazing. Uh yeah, I mean, they used the sleep sack, but that wasn't as key for me as like the swaddle, like wrapping them like a tight little burrito. It's they just didn't wake themselves up flailing yeah. and flinching, and that stretched out the sleep incredibly. That definitely helped. So so uh yeah, you get have them teach you at the hospital, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you've got to like, when you see them do it at the hospital, you're like, that's 86 times too tight. And and it's it's fine. fine. Like tight is good. Let me just say that we're not doctors or sleep uh, experts in terms of having any credentials. So like any advice we give you check with your pediatrician, because we don't really know what we're talking about. But (laughs) But we did it. We got through it. But I'm going to give you another sleep hack that was key for me that again, like I had a lot of success. Yes, I'm lucky too. And yes, my kids were able to do it. But this is how I sleep trained to my kids from 8 weeks on. The first wake up cry, husband goes in and soothes the baby back to sleep. And that will stretch like they wake up after 3 hours, husband goes in and soothes the baby back to sleep. Or just to be 2019 about it, the non-breastfeeding parent, if there is one, <laughs> goes in. Correct. Non-breastfeeding parent because it's that's exactly right. Like non-breastfeeding parent Mm Because they smell the breast milk and they're like, hey, eating time. And so a lot of this is like getting tricked into being like, but they're hungry. Like, make sure that they're not hungry. Because my husband would go soothe the baby back to sleep for another hour. The baby would wake up. Now we're four hours into sleep. And he would try to soothe the baby back to sleep. It wouldn't work. And then I would feed the baby. But now... I've put my carbuncle, whatever you call it, in the mountain. And four hours is now the sleep. Again, because
1: your pediatrician said, this is what I feel good about you doing now.
0: This is how long a stretch I'm going to say you can go. Correct. And this is also with a baby who's over 12 pounds. Which for you, did you have big fat babies? I I had medium babies. No, I had like a six and a half pounder. So it took a little while to get there. But this is with a baby who's over 12 pounds. And like we're at eight to 10 weeks, basically. And then... We just kept stretching those lengths out. And basically, we were able to go starting at about eight to 10 weeks. We were starting to get like nice big blocks, like six hour blocks, seven hour blocks. And we just kept stretching those blocks out. And it worked great. And it didn't involve a lot of crying it out and madness. But it was just a lot of consistency from the beginning.
1: All right. I think this is a good time to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about toddlers because we've got some really good advice for for toddlers.
2: Hi, this is Sarah Strong. I'm an infant and child sleep consultant with Strong Little Sleepers. One of the things that really confuses parents is what time to put babies to bed at night. When you're talking about a newborn, a lot of parents get confused about when they should start sleep training. And the thing you have to remember about newborns that's really important is newborns aren't supposed to sleep through the night because they need to eat too often. And most importantly, when you're thinking about sleep and sleep training, they can't be sleep trained yet because their circadian rhythms don't even kick in until they're four months old. But they're going to bed at 8, 9, 10 p.m., But once they hit four months and we're working with the circadian rhythm schedule, they need to go to bed much earlier. And it feels so counterintuitive, especially to new parents, especially if this is your first child. Putting them to bed nice and early is going to ensure that they sleep through the night better and sleep later into the morning.
1: Beachbody On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime.
0: I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say. Fun and highly intense, but Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge
1: range of classes. And some of the classes get you results fast. By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your computer, tablet, phone,
0: smart TV, anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Health podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text laughing to 30 3030. 30. You will get free full access to the entire Beachbody
1: On Demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting
0: laughing to 303030. 30, 30. Check it out. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear
1: that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snugly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no toe seam. <laughs> And there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently. So it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy. And I don't care what people say.
0: I love Bombas. I want you to work on expressing about the toe seam, Amy. That's an assignment for <laughs> okay. you. These socks do more than keep your feet cozy though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of three Thousand giving partners. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get
1: 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing. That's
0: B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash laughing for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash laughing.
3: Okay, so my sleep hack advice comes from having four kids and from getting a puppy three days ago. So here's the thing. I really like to talk, and I really love babies. My advice is shut up. Well, only at nighttime, really. And you need to resist the urge to whisper sweet nothings into your newbie's ears during overnight feedings. It sounds obvious, but for me, it was not. I happily spoke to three of our four newborns during those sweet and exhausting overnight rendezvous, and then like a total ding-dong, couldn't figure out why they wouldn't go back to sleep. And it happened again earlier this week with our brand new sweet Bernadoodle Clover. She woke up to pee, and instead of putting her back in the crate when we came inside, I started talking to her and then playing with her. And guess what? She didn't want to go to bed. Smack in the middle of it, I remembered, Don't do that Mama, shut up. Talking, playing, whatevering at night with a baby and a puppy create bad sleepers. So if you ever want to get back in your bed and go to sleep, be quiet. That advice is from Patty at The Pickup Line, a free daily newsletter full of
1: parenting hacks, how-tos, and advice. Check them out at thepickupline.net. Okay, so we're back, and I want to talk more about the sleep sacks, because here's what I didn't really understand until our readers came in on this. I thought the sleep sack sort of ended by a year when they're standing up in the crib when they're walking around. But we have a couple of people who wrote in to say, no, 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 the sleep sack is vital because it keeps them lying down. For toddlers, you put the sleep sack on so that they can't climb out of the crib, and you put the sleep sack on Backwards, so that they can't unzip it and take their diaper off. Where were you in 2004? That's what I want to know, Allison, because. Yeah.
0: Anyone who's lived through the baby who got their diaper off in the middle of the night uh, is really cursing themselves that they did not know about sleep sex at the time. Like,
1: oh my gosh. Yeah. It just, they, and again, it's, it's, it's queuing, right? Like, oh, I'm in my cuddly little sleeping bag. I guess I might as well lie down because I can't really stand up. This, this makes a ton. sense to me. And now I'm going to go a little more mind-blowing with you. We heard from Dr. Sarah Mitchell, who has a website called Helping Baby Sleep, helpingbabysleep.com. And this is her big tip. My biggest tip for toddlers, she says, is to keep them in a sleep sack until they transition to a bed, which shouldn't be until they are at least two and a half years old.
0: Unless you're me and you have an (laughs) 18-month-old and you're having another baby and you don't want to pay for another crib. At which point, right? We've talked about
1: this, and we we're going to talk about what to do when you have the toddler in the bed is getting out of bed because that was not an easy transition. It just was one you felt you had to make.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had to. We just had to go for it. I was like, whatever the experts say, I'm not buying another crib.
1: We did crib for as long as possible. We didn't do. Sleep sack. But she, you know, she says it's a cue that it's sleep time. It keeps them cozy through
0: the night and it prevents them from getting in danger climbing out of the crib. Another thing that people mention a lot about toddlers, including Amanda, is white noise machines or any kind of noise machines. And this was another integral part of my sleep system, which is there's a noise that plays during sleeping time. And I mm-hmm. think it's a white noise machine. Ours played all night. So it's like they wake up and they're still hearing the noise and it's like, oh, it's still sleepy time. Like you're just trying to give them as many signals in the lizard brain part. That's like everything I'm everything that is surrounding me is associated with nighttime and sleep. Mm -hmm. I still use a white noise machine every night. Well, my problem is I can't sleep at all with a white noise machine in. So it was a problem. Like if we had the baby in the room, I couldn't sleep with the white noise. When I sleep in the same room with you, Margaret, I put on headphones that have the white noise machine so that I can be cozy. It's mm-hmm. so thoughtful. It's mm-hmm. very thoughtful. I mean, we don't <laughs> sleep in the same room that often. People are like, what's going on over there on the What Fresh Hell podcast? But we're trying something new here at What Fresh Hell. Yeah, Amy and I are sister wives now. No, but we do occasionally travel for the show and share a hotel room. And I appreciate it because I can't sleep. And this is another thing that, again, this may not work for you, but this did work for us. We moved the baby out of the room at 12 weeks. And the big thing that that solves is that the baby's wake-up process can be 45 minutes long. But if the baby is in your room, that wake-up process starts at like And you're like, okay, I'm up for the day. Like once you hear that peep, whereas if the baby is just down the hall from you, you don't really hear them until they really need you, which is the full whale. Or if that's too much, you can
1: try taking turns sleeping in the same. Like if you feel like I really need to be near the baby, one of you needs to be near the baby. It doesn't need to be both of you every night. One of you should get a uh, four hour
0: uninterrupted REM cycle once in a while. And I remember this so clearly with my husband and we were really surprised by it is I would just say to him, "Okay, you're in charge of listening for the baby tonight and I would sleep so much better. Yeah. It's just like somehow that open ear channel thing where you're like, you're half asleep, but basically your entire ear is wired to like, did I hear something? Did I hear something? I got into, and I've spoken about it before on the podcast, a horrible like insomniac postpartum anxiety thing going on where I basically like lost the ability to sleep for a couple of weeks. And part of it was just that thing of like, I cannot turn off my ear listening for the baby. And it was super frustrating. And Disastrous. So
1: you were you were an insomniac, Margaret, right? And the and you were in a um a routine. You know, your body was like, okay, I need to wake up at two and see if it's time to get up yet, and three and see right. if it's time to get up yet. And you have to do something sort of intense to break that, which for you was like, I'm gonna sleep in another room with, you know, headphones on for three nights. Brandy wrote in to say that she had a really rough patch when her daughter was about eight months old that she just cried constantly all night long and they were taking turns soothing her and it didn't work out and if they if they let her cry it out, the toddler's gonna wake up. Like it's we've been there. This is tough. They were in an intense situation and so the way they broke it is they actually moved a mattress into the floor of the baby's room and they took turns sleeping on the floor of the baby's room. Not forever, but but you know, and there'd be some people be like, Oh mom, don't you do that, don't spoil your baby. Do do what's working for you to get through the hard part. And it broke the routine because the baby would wake up and see somebody there and go back to sleep. And then two weeks later, they didn't have to do that anymore, but it got them through the rough patch.
0: And my kids right now all have chest colds and um, my kids are 10, 8 and 7 and they all are struggling with chest colds. And I find when I hear them coughing upstairs at night, I freak out and then I can't go back to sleep. Are they okay? Are they like struggling? And so I just bring my coffer into our bedroom. Cause I, I'd rather get a better night's sleep knowing that they're right next to me, and then they cough, and I'm like, oh, they're fine, and I go back to sleep, as opposed to like hearing it from a distant bedroom, and then I keep myself mm. awake for an hour worrying about them. And so, that's what I mean. Like, what works for you? And they're not having some major sleep regression from it, but I would just rather know. Like, oh, I can just look over at them and see. Like sometimes they get, they they have that like really creepy cough where it sounds like they're choking, and I'm like, I can't sleep when I hear that four bedrooms away.
1: I wanted to give a shout out to Sabrina because she had what you had, which was a toddler on the move, right? Who's in the toddler bed, like for better and worse. And uh, they're, they're up and walking around and they have a baby gate at the door. And she says they put the baby gate at the door and they close the door until they go to bed. And by that time, she says she's given up on trying to get out and puts herself to bed. And then they unlock the door, they check on her and they have the baby gate. The, the door open with the baby gate there overnight. So she can't get past the
0: gate. I was big on this. And I think it's just a kind of fundamental watch some old episodes of super nanny. She's got a system for this and it's really smart. Like you have to give the kid much less attention for what they're doing. And like we had a baby gate and I've told the story before, but I'll tell the very abbreviated version at some point when we were trying to get my 19, 20 month old to sleep In the big boy bed, getting ready for the new baby, he was like trying all these tactics. And at some point, he had his beloved Blue Bear, who he slept with every single night, and he couldn't sleep without. And he came to the baby gate and threw Blue Bear over the gate. And then was like, now what? Now what's going (laughs) to happen? I mean, total total tactician, right? right? Like military tactics. He's like, I'm willing to sacrifice the bear to get what I want. And then he sat there and cried for the bear at the gate. And I was like, oh, this is now I'm lost. Like, what do I do? Like, he won't sleep without the bear, but he sacrificed the bear. And I gave it back to him. And I said, if you throw blueberry again, he's staying away for the night. And I said it in a really serious voice <laughs> and I, he contemplated it, but he didn't throw him over again. But basically, like we would come in and he would have just fallen asleep right by the gate. And then we would just move him to bed. But we just didn't give him a lot of attention for yeah. coming to the gate. And then after two nights, he gave up. They can be really tough military tacticians, these kids, but they don't have a lot of stamina. That's what I find. So you may have two nights where you have to like silently blank face, put them back into bed. Literally, I think the first night my husband and I were counting. We did it like 147 times. It was insane. Just walking back in and saying night, night and putting him back in bed. And that was the only interaction. But after doing that insanity for three nights, he gave up completely. And that's the thing. You can break their well. They're like horses. Two different people recommended
1: lavender body lotions as something that works with toddlers. Again, as a sort of the cueing that it's dark, the the ocean machine sounds are on. We just had two stories. Um, Michelle says she uses Little Twigs Lavender Body Oil, and Laura says she uses Sleepy Lotion from Lush, which I looked up, and it looks like it's a sort of lavender and vanilla cookie-scented lotion.
0: Mm, Mm -hmm. I would like that. I would like some of that for myself. My husband could slather me before bed and then tuck me in. (laughs) Right. She
1: says she puts it on her son's feet. And again, like, it smells
0: nice. We have a routine. It's the same way. It's night-night time. Amy and I are both reformed actors. Actually, you're just, you're still an active actor, but I'm a reformed actor. (laughs) And like, there's a lot of acting work where they talk about sense memory. Like the way to recall emotions is like, what did it smell like? And I lived in New Orleans for a brief time. And whenever I am in New Orleans, there's a grease that they use to grease the wheels of the streetcars that run. And it's just a smell you never smell anywhere else. And when I smell that smell in New Orleans, it's like I fall through a trapdoor in time to like when I lived there in the 90s. And like, it's like my whole life comes back to me when I smell that smell, my life from that time. And sense memory is a very strong and real thing. And so that's kind of what you're trying to do with your kids is like, you're trying to create a sensory experience that says sleepy time. When we move on to preschoolers,
1: Everybody had a version of the same advice about get an alarm clock that they can see for themselves. Like I had an old locks version of this where we just took a digit, our digital alarm clock and we put a, a post-it note over the minute numbers because those are, you know, immaterial. Right. So then we had like, then we drew a five and next to it, put a you know, moon. We drew a six. And next to that, we put a moon. And then I drew a seven. And next to that, I put a sun. Now I set this clock like 30 minutes fast, because there's no way this kid was going to sleep until seven. But if if he slept till 630, I would have like had a ticker tape parade for myself. So So I I set it fast ahead. But he knew that if he got up and looked at the clock and I had, you know, that shape or that shape, it was still night night. And I think he was probably up sometimes. But this is when this kid was old enough to get out of bed, play with his trucks, look at a book. Again, like you want to do that, you can, or you can just roll over for a little while. It did really help. This is once you're in school.
0: This is ages and stages too, though, because now I have kids who are in elementary and one is like early middle school and setting the expectation that there are rules around when you wake up and when you go to sleep and enforcing those rules consistently throughout a kid's life is really going to pay off for you when they're my kid's age. Because- My kids know, oh, my gosh, if we're awake past nine o'clock, we're up too late, you know, and they also now run themselves like I have a kid who now doesn't want to get out of bed. And so his rule is his alarm goes off at seven o'clock and he can lay in bed until 715. And so but he has programming in his brain that says like the clock tells me the rules and it makes it a lot easier to deal with the mornings now that he's older. And again, you can't argue with the Fisher Price Soothing Glow seahorse if it isn't showing that it's morning time yet. Like you can you can argue with mom. Right. You can tell mom <laughs> she's an idiot, but you can't tell the Soothing Glow seahorse jennifer also recommends which we've just started doing the sleep mask i cannot sleep in a sleep mask for some reason it it, i feel like i I don't know it it doesn't feel comfortable to me but my five-year-old found one that has like a unicorn horn and i've been using them my nine-year-old my 10-year-old really he basically will not nap anymore but i make him if he really needs a nap spend an hour in bed in a sleep mask and i think he gets like quiet enough that it's almost like a nap
1: you know. Yeah, I find them very useful. I mean, I started using them in hotels that weren't dark enough or things like that. And uh, I find that they cue me that my body's sort of like, oh, okay, no, not going to get out of this time to go to sleep. And right. Jennifer recommended it. And we had somebody else who recommended it for her older child for her 13 year old, who has ADHD, with that can come a lot of mind racing inability to sleep and that the sleep mask he tells her really, really helps him at bedtime. So that was a that was a good one that I hadn't thought of for kids.
0: Yeah, so much good yeah. advice, you guys. Kara talks about, and I think this is interesting, resets. And so we had a lot of people reference Benadryl. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people like dope them up. First of all, Benadryl can be problematic because for some kids, it's a a systemic thing. And some people, some kids, it completely revs up. Do not use Benadryl at all without consulting a doctor. Some people use it on their kids for allergy season and find they sleep better. And Kara says that she had a kid who was waking from two to four and they ended up doing Benadryl for two weeks and let her sleep rhythms get back in line and stop waking at night. And um, this is obviously something to talk to your doctor about. It involves giving your kid a drug and you have to be really careful around that stuff. But I think even with or without Benadryl, one thing that I would encourage people to remember about sleep in general with their kids is it is one of those problems that starts to feel, and I I had this for myself so badly with that like panic insomnia phase, it starts to feel mountainous. Like this is a disaster from which your family will never recover. Your life now is never sleeping and dealing with a maniac at 2am. There are ways to reset what is going on in your house and they may involve four or five really bad nights But it's worth putting that work in to get back to normal. And I have always found that when we have sleep disruptions, we pour a lot of energy into fixing them and getting back to normal. Of course, you have to plan those
1: times. I mean, you're right, but make sure you don't have a
0: vacation coming up the next yep. week.
1: Make sure it's not almost Christmas. Make sure it's not. Make sure it's not testing time at right. school. You know, the problem is you are probably going to have to do it again when you get back from being at grandma's house for a week. When the kid has a bad cold, you have to do it again for sure. You're going to have to do these resets again and again. So set yourself up for success by making sure that you have a little runway. Nothing weird is going to happen in the next couple of weeks after you sleep train the toddler. And there's
0: one more thing I want to say about that, and we'll be right back.
3: My name is Lori Strong. I'm a certified child sleep consultant with Strong Little Sleepers. You really want to make sure that you make the move to a bed as as close to age three or later if you can. Setting up expectations and rules um, with the toddler is super effective because they don't know what to do when they wake up in the middle of the night and they assume that, well, I can get out. I might just get up. So setting up some sleep rules and talking to your child about Laying in their bed and staying in their bed can be really effective.
0: Amy, we're back. And I want to just continue that thought for one more second and say this. It is really difficult not to let your own anxiety over your kids' lack of sleep into the situation, but doing so makes the situation much worse. This is a very easy thing for me to say in front of a microphone, and it was a very hard thing for me to implement. But Letting your child see how much anxiety and stress you have around their lack of sleep is making the situation worse.
1: You know, the the hardest part for me was the perfectly well-meaning people who would ask me if my four-month-old, five-month-old, like, she's sleeping for you, and I'd say like, no, and they'd, they'd like, she's not. And then on, on top of my kid not sleeping and all the effort I was putting into it, I felt bad that I was being judged that my baby wasn't sleeping yet. Like, it's it's not a uh, not a great look, and I had to learn to sort of detach, like they're just saying it to be nice. They aren't saying it to make you feel bad. You have to kind of put that aside.
0: Right. And with my own kid, I had one of my guys go through like a little insomnia about, and I was right away, like my mother calls it catastrophizing, I was right away like, this is the beginning of the end. Now I I finally got my sleep back and now we're losing it because this kid won't sleep. And what is going on? And he would be like walking around the house at like one in the morning. And I would just, I was freaking out. Like, what is this? And I would go up and sit with him. You really have to sleep? And I was just making it so much worse with my own crazy. My husband finally was like, we have to stop doing this. We have to give him some tools and let it settle out. And it did. To that end, I think we should talk
1: about we had some great suggestions for apps and websites that are useful. Uh, and again, it's helping the kids have their own sort of quiver of self-soothing techniques that they have that don't have to be mom has to stay here and, and I, I twist her hair until I fall asleep. So Amber, Amber developed something called the Huckleberry Sleep app that actually looks it's this is actually for the parent, not for the kid. The Huckleberry Sleep app, you sort of, you know, answer questionnaires about how much your kid sleeps and when and it helps you develop for kids ages zero to five. What's a good nap schedule for that kid and helps you stick to it and then you can track it and see how it's going. And this seems like a great idea to me and it's
0: free. So so check that out. Just for the record, none of the apps that we're talking about are sponsors. We're talking about stuff that we've like actually discovered that works. Right. Christy, who has twins, which twin mamas know, double the fun <laughs> and double the trouble when it comes to sleeping. A double pleasure's waiting for you. Oldie Lock's alert. <laughs> Back in my day. I play different Spotify stations with lullaby themes and it helps. My current fave is soothing strings for sleeping babies. Sounds nice. And her kids are like, they're not, I know Christy in real life. Her kids aren't baby babies. They're like, you know, three-ish, three, four. Sorry, Christy, I don't know how old your kids are, but I barely know how old my kids are, so don't be mad. We found stories, like I got a CD that told the story of Empire Strikes Back. I mean, it was the same thing every night, but the guy had like a nice voice, was like, R2-D2 came to the rescue when the garbage compactor, every Star Wars fan's head is exploding right now because none of that happens. But, you know, it told the story in like kind of a calm, soothing voice. And that worked great for my kids for a while.
1: This is something I had never
0: heard of until a couple of you suggested it. Something called ASMR videos. I will say that ASMR videos are like the hottest topic in the world. They're the ones that give you the tingly feeling. Somebody recommended Whispers Red channel on YouTube.
1: I'm like, I, that does not sound appropriate, but okay, I'll check out Whispers Red. And she...
0: You're like, kids, clear the room. I'm going to Whispers Red on YouTube. Yeah, I'm going to check this before I recommend it on the show. But yes, she, she just like, hello,
1: it's time to get cozy. And she, and she like does like little like
0: clicks and snaps. Do you know what ASMR stands for? It stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. I mean, first of all, how could I have thought you wouldn't know what it stood for? Of course, I looked it up because I'm like, what does this mean? But it's like the idea of like, you know, that feeling you get where you get like a tingly scalp, like something like gives you like that relaxed, happy feeling and it like tingles in your scalp. Apparently, there are people. Do you know what I'm talking about, Amy? Uh, I do now because I watched the videos. But it's like, but it's like, tasting cilantro tastes like soap. Apparently, some people don't get it. It's like not possible for some people to achieve. I watched Whispers Red,
1: uh, and I will say, after two minutes, I was like, oh, "Night night." You this felt is, good. I felt yeah. really. Good. And she's just like a pretty nice lady. And there's a bunch of these. It's not
0: just her, but that was one that was recommended. I would do this sound only, but I have to say I would not involve a screen right. in my kids' bedtime activities at all. Uh, you know, uh, for, for grownups, I guess
1: that's up to you. Katie says there's an Awe Island podcast that has bedtime stories for younger kids. Yeah, it's kind of fun,
0: like falling asleep. Oh, and Elizabeth a- recommends the Moshi Twilight app, who has been a sponsor on our show. Oh, yeah, they have sponsored us. They are groovy, man. I'll tell you, I, my kid who I have trouble napping, I put him in a sleep mask and I put the Moshi Twilight stories on and I lay down next to him. And let me tell you, I don't know if he fell asleep, (laughs) but I did. I was out like a light. Oh, those Moshi monsters. They're, They're actually like, mashi monsters. Bubbles. We're supposed
1: to. We should know better to say it moshy. correctly. Moshy monsters. Yeah, we should. Moshy. And Headspace, another app that I love. Angela says Headspace has a sleep exercise that her tweens use. And then Anna jumped in to say, "I use that on my Google Home, so I don't even have to get out of bed. I can just
0: say, you know, hey, you know what, play, play me a sleep exercise." This is an ages and stages thing. Like we think of sleep health and good sleep habits as being something that affects like newborn babies. And good sleep hygiene is crucial throughout your kid's life. I often, when I am solicited for parenting advice, which sometimes happens, my number one go-to question is, is your child getting enough sleep? I see it in my own kids. We just had the Boy Scout camp out and they go out in the woods and they run around until midnight and then they sleep for like three hours and they get up and run around and have breakfast and then they come home and they are... Weekend ruined. Monsters. They are children I Mm -hmm. do not recognize. Weekend ruined, but some kids sleep like that a lot. And so what you may think, I just cannot overemphasize how many behavior problems. And I mean, I feel this with myself. When my husband and I were getting married, I was like, let me give you this piece of advice. If I am fighting with you and being obnoxious and being difficult, 90% chance Mm -hmm. I need a snack or a nap. And like that will save our marriage. And my kids are the same way. Like when my kid starts coming in and acting the fool and like driving me crazy and being bonkers, I'm like, here's a (laughs) rice cracker with peanut butter on it. If that didn't work, go take a nap. Like sleep is so critical to the way your child behaves. Dr. Lisa Demore said that
1: when she was on our show, she deals with, you know, girls in particular that are struggling with anxiety and things related to that. And that was sort of her first thing when the parent comes in very concerned. She asks them how much sleep their kid is getting. And if it's not the right number, she's like, go fix that and then come back. And then we'll talk about if it's still a problem, because chances are the behaviors you're seeing is a chronically sleep deprived child. It's so
0: So interesting. And I mean, I've had friends with babies, and it's like they cried all day, and they're like, what's wrong with this baby? And I I just am always like, if you really want advice, I'm going to tell you that your baby, your child, is not getting enough sleep. Like, you will change your life if you can get this baby sleeping, and if that involves going to see a sleep specialist, hiring someone, reading eight books, doing two weeks of super consistent work on this topic, you should do it because a well-slept child is a game changer. It occurs to me
1: in that things we're talking about for younger kids. I think the mushy twilight and the headspace sleep stories. I think these are all great ideas. However, once your kid is old enough to be using social media on their phone, that's sort of my most important tip for older kids is get the phone out of the bedroom. And believe me, this is a back to one. Like every every Sunday night, I'm saying, now, don't forget, this is our rule. The phones get charged in the kitchen. They're not in our rooms at night, including for myself. You are like, okay, I'm going to go charge it in the kitchen. Don't bring don't bring it to bed with me. Because the world is there, right? Like the, the seventh grade group text will just go ding, 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 ding and they can't, they can't shut it off. It's, it's
0: too hard to put it down. We need to have hard rules about that and keep it out of their room. I see people all the time posting about this. Like, my kid was up until 3 a.m. texting. Like, that's bonkers. Like, that, that's got to go. I mean, I'm here to not judge anyone and to be like, hey, make the choice that works for you. But if your kid is on a phone at three o'clock in the morning and trying to go to school the next day, that is set up for failure. Like that is a really genuinely bad idea.
1: They can't help it. Right. Like we are we are conditioned now as a species to respond to every bing and bong that comes in on that phone. And they can't and they just and they also just they need the mental space. They need a place to not be in the seventh grade and who said what to who right they they need a a time in their day where that is not the most important thing happening. They need space from that. And so we need to
0: give it to them for sure. And it's a it's a parallel to my problem with like one ear open for the baby like they're sleeping with one ear open. for the phone. Like, oh, is a text coming in? Is something new happening with Sally's boyfriend? You know, and we need that space too, by
1: the way, right? I need, you know, I need a, uh, I can go eight hours without finding out uh, what's happening
0: on Instagram and would probably be better off. I bring my phone to bed because God knows I have to keep up on my Twitter until 11 o'clock at night or I couldn't function. But I do then put it, turn it off and put it on the cradle at night. Like if you want to get me at 3 a.m., it's not possible. You have to come to my door. Please don't. Let's do a couple of tips for grown-ups because
1: we have a couple of those too. Yeah. Amber says... Again, now this is on the phone, but she says she uses the Calm app, which has sleep stories and guided meditation for grownups.
0: I have my own internal Calm app that I use, which is I have insomnia and this has really helped me. And it tends to be like my go-to thing and it signals, I think, my brain that it's time to go to sleep. I do I call them walkthroughs, but like I picture like we used to go to my grandmother's house when I was a kid and I just sit and I do a walkthrough of my grandma's house. Like you walk in the front door and there's that bathroom to the left. Then the next door on the left is stairs that go downstairs to the basement. Then to the right, there's the refrigerator and then there's the open door to the kitchen. And I just walk through this house that I loved. And it's a place where like I had no stress in my life and it really helps me calm down. When I can't get back to sleep in the middle of the night, I do something
1: called Jinchen Jitsu, which is a sort of an Eastern healing technique. And I know a very little bit about it, but I know sort of what holds to do on my fingers and my palm to just relax myself and get myself to fall right back to sleep. So I'll put a link up to that on com if anybody's interested. Works for me.
0: And I do think a lot of that stuff is probably it's the same thing. You're signaling your own brain. Like, it's not even so much that the hold works. It's that I think it works. Your body knows that you're doing the hold and therefore it's like signaling you to go back to sleep. That's right. And my thing is like, I can sit there and be like, okay, what do I have to do for the podcast? I got to get this done. Did I put that file in the right place? Is it going to get loaded in time? Oh my God, the kid's permission slip. Like that thing is what keeps you at. And so I'm like, that's not what we're doing. We're doing, my husband and I just went on an amazing trip and now my new walkthrough is like, okay, we got there. I remember we waved to the kids and we got in the car and I walk through the trip moment by moment. Like I try to recreate every single moment of the trip in my mind. And I usually fall like it was a four day trip. And so far, I haven't gotten past Wednesday. Like it's <laughs> like I, I fall asleep at some point. We had
1: so many good tips and we got to a lot of them, but there's a lot more. So I'm going to put everything up on the show page and whatfreshhheldpodcast.com. All the clocks you guys recommended for preschoolers, all the Fisher Price little garden sleepaway time crib things you guys recommended. Um, the lavender oil and the jutsu, And I don't know. What else? What else am, am I forgetting? <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. The point is, try something. And when
0: it seems to work, stick with it. Because the consistency of the routine is the point. I just have to, before we go, point to Anna's tip, which like, I have been accused of being mental for this, but it is the only thing that has saved my marriage. Never share a comforter. That's a great married sleep tip. (laughs) My husband and I figured out about two minutes in that like, we would be divorced over the comforter. And so we have two sets of bedding. Game changer, guys. Wow. I'm going to end on
1: Diane's because I think this is important to remember. If you're the mom with a good sleeper, she says, don't tell the mom who's struggling through a rough patch how your little Johnny sleeps for 13 hours. It's not helpful. What is helpful is saying to her, go take a nap and I'll fold your laundry. Or I dug this swing out of the garage. It worked for us. It's yours if you want to give it a try.
0: Very, very, very good point. Yeah, thanks Diane. Thanks, Diane. All right, guys, come see us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast and tell us what's working and not working for you with your sleep hacks at home. We're also on Instagram at
1: WhatFreshHellCast, on Twitter at WFHPodcast, and then I'm going to put up all the links to the things you guys suggested on our website, WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. Amy's
0: got about 40 hours of work ahead of her getting these links up. But Linking it. Come and appreciate them, guys. All right, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.